Yeah, welcome to Spin Class, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel, and this 10th of October, I have the uh, privilege of sitting in for Michael Fragan tonight for the next hour. Spin Class is an influential program that analyzes the political scene, especially locally in New York and New Jersey, but we try to explore other areas of the country and world as well. And Spin Class is on at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday evening here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Tune in every week, jmnam.org, nachumsiegel.com. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, you could do that at Nahum Siegel Net, which we'll, we try to tweet throughout the entire program if possible. And on Facebook, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel. Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel. Yet another very interesting week on the political scene. I don't think there is a, <laughs> I don't think that's a, uh, that's a description that has not been used over the last few weeks. Every week seems to be very interesting. Even with certain elections, and some might say locally most elections, looking like they are over three weeks beforehand. They look that way, but there still always seems to be something interesting going on. And we will, of course, um, uh, continue to uh, follow the uh, the world of politics until uh, we get to Election Day. Uh, we have some interesting guests tonight. Michael Fragan, as has been our custom when I sub for him, is going to be uh, checking in. He is, of course, uh, with the Loda campaign, and he'll uh, tell us and uh, give us an update and uh, speak to us about what's happening on the political scene. And that'll be happening uh, at about 20 minutes before 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. In the meantime, we have a couple of uh, very interesting uh, uh, political observers and uh, community activists. I think you could uh, use that term. Uh, it, uh, later on in this show, Haskell Bennett will join us. He's actually at a meeting right now with one of the... Uh, one of the mayoral candidates, so we will um, have him and we'll uh, check in with him about 6.20 Eastern Time here at the Nahum Siegel Network. But now I introduce Aaron Trudler. Aaron Trudler is with us. He's a veteran of state, county, town, and village government. That's an understatement, by the way. He's a principal at Paul Revere Public Relations. He has been involved in a lot of elections. In fact, there are people who say to me he's actually been the the sole reason why certain people have gotten elected to certain positions. Uh, he's been chief of staff to members of the New York State Assembly. He's managed members' press operations, provided counsel and legislative action, and has served as the legislative director of the Sparta Community Federation. He has quite a resume, to say the least, and he is with us live via telephone on this Thursday evening. Aaron Trudler, welcome to Spin Class. Malcolm, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that very much. Uh, who knows where to begin? When I called you and spoke with you earlier in the day, I gave you an indication I'd love to start with the state of New Jersey, so why not? Uh, we don't spend enough time on this program speaking about the Garden State. Uh, the races for governor and for United States Senate out of New Jersey, uh, I would say uh, essentially uh, look like a lock. It uh, doesn't look like there's much competition for either the uh, current governor or uh, for Cory Booker, but I don't know. Uh, at some point over the last week to ten days, I started getting the feeling that maybe there's a race here, at least for the U.S. Senate seat. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, it, I, I actually do agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, I mean, one of the reasons uh, for that, uh, putting aside you know who the candidates in this particular race may be, is the timing of the election. Uh, if you remember correctly, when Senator Lautenberg passed away and Governor Christie uh, set special election dates, uh, he had a primary election smack in the middle of the summer, and then we have uh, the general election, actually this coming uh, next Wednesday, October the 16th, uh, when people are not necessarily used to going to the polls and voting. 
So there's definitely a question in terms of uh, turnout, uh, what the numbers will be. Uh, there's really nothing else drawing people to the polls other than this race because this is the only thing on the ballot that particular day. And, in fact, if you think back, uh, it's actually uh, what's been happening in New Jersey is a very interesting phenomenon in that um, we had the regular, New Jersey had the regularly scheduled primary election that took place in June. They had a Senate primary in August. They had the special Senate election coming up in October. Then you have regularly scheduled election day in November. So if you look at the big picture, you have New Jersey voters who will have gone to the polls four times in just five months, which is, you know, a staggering number. So you question whether there's any voter fatigue or, or you know, whether people are a little too apathetic to go to the polls. That being said, uh, the race, uh, the Senate race in New Jersey is, shaped up, is shaping up to be an extremely exciting uh, race in that you have Cory Booker uh, facing off against uh, Steve Lonigan on the Republican side. Uh, and, and, you know, Cory Booker is, uh, really doesn't need any introduction. He's an out-of-the-box thinker. He's shown a, a propensity for bipartisanship. Uh, you know, some people think he would be a larger-than-life figure in Washington. Uh, he's essentially a celebrity. And then on the other side, Steve Lonigan, uh, is the former mayor of Bogota, um, actually in Bergen County. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, people view him as, uh, more towards the right on the religious spectrum in terms of his ideologies and whatnot. So, uh, you, you have this race shaping up, and, and, and like you said, Nachum, in the beginning, you know, I think people just assume that Cory Booker would run away with this thing, um, with, with, you know, facing little competition. Steve Lonigan has been nipping at his heels. And, you know, the latest polls, uh, you know, there was a Quinnipiac poll that came out yesterday, and it shows, you know, Cory Booker still has a solid lead, but it's, you know, the, the, the large lead that he once had somewhat evaporated. I mean, now he's got a 53-41% you know, lead, 53 to 41%. It's closer than some people thought. Um, and there's some indications that, you know, his campaign is taking notice. I mean, I don't know, um, some of the listeners might have heard uh, news reports earlier this week that uh, Mayor Mike Bloomberg uh, actually um, is putting in, uh, out of his own money, uh, or a pack that he controls, $1 million uh, TV ad buy for Cory Booker. You know, and that's just a sign for some that, that, that you know, there's a sense of urgency. Right. Uh, you know, he really needs to ensure that people come to the polls. I mean... He's got 1.4 million Twitter followers on Twitter, but you know the only number that really matters come next Wednesday is the number of people that come to the poll and polls and vote. Aaron Trudler so, is with us. Uh, yeah, please don't be don't be ashamed of an old Jersey boy who didn't realize how close this United States Senate race is timing wise. How did it end up on a Wednesday, by the way? Uh, that, that, that's uh, that's that's what Governor Christie decided. That's what he decreed, and so it shall be. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So, with, with him, I believe that's exactly how it worked. And, and, and I'm trying to get this clear. The timing of the Senate election, which again is now six days away, as, mm-hmm. op- as opposed to what some of us thought that we had a little bit of time, the timing, in your opinion, benefits who? Uh, I think, that, well, I think it benefits uh, Governor Christie uh, in that sense, and he's not even a candidate in this race. Right, but in terms of Booker and but Lonigan. In this particular race, I think it's, I think it's uh, Lonigan. I mean, I'm sorry, I think it's Booker only because he has the wherewithal, financial uh, backing and, and whatnot, to drive voters out to the polls. Right. Lonigan is, is, is certainly running a spirited campaign and, and trying his best to attract attention to himself and trying to, um, you know, offer some distinction between him, him and Cory Booker. But at the end of the day, an election like this really comes down to turnout, and it's Cory Booker with a sizable financial advantage and the ability to spread his message far and wide. Uh, that has the wherewithal to get people to the polls, and that right. definitely benefits Cory and, Booker. And they'll be essentially the only two names on the ballot. They are the only two names on the ballot, correct. Uh, are there significant elections on the 5th of November in New Jersey that do not involve the governor? 
Well, there are a number of, you know, county elections. I mean, for example, um, you know, I'm more familiar with, with Bergen County. Right. Um, and, you know, you have, you have, for example, in Bergen County, and I'm sure you have in many other uh, counties throughout northern New Jersey and in other areas throughout the state, you know, you have the Board of Freeholders, which is essentially the legislative making, the legislative body of the particular county. Um, in Bergen County, you have an incumbent Republican sheriff up for a re-election who's being challenged by a Democrat. Um, and, and, and a lot of people may not know the names of their freeholders. They may not know, you know, who these people are. But, you know, on the local government level, those are, those are the decisions that most directly affect you know, families and yeah, people who live in these particular counties. So, hey, if you believe all politics is local, those are the most important names in the ballot, right? Exactly right. So, so you know, while while some of these other races are essentially stealing the thunder of some of these races that are down ballot, um, they they definitely should not be ignored because the, the impact of those elections, you know, be like you said, much more closely felt than some of the uh, some of the ballot some of the races that are at the top of the ballot. All right, but nationally, the only ones they'll be paying attention to will be the U.S. Senate race, essentially. I mean, CNN is not reporting anything other than that one, right? From New Correct. Jersey. Okay. Correct. Uh, Correct. Aaron Trudler is with us. Um, explain the Booker phenomenon. Uh, we we see so often that people do not react well to a rock star running. Uh, the fact that his city is not known as a, a city of accomplishment, I would think, would really work against him. Uh, the fact that he seems to spend more time on his own uh, personal image than uh, than working in the city, or at least that's, I mean, I'm not making an accusation, I'm making right, an, right. an observation. Right. Usually those things really work against you. I know the race is closer, we just spoke about it, but still, he seems to have a tremendous amount of momentum. Is that surprising? Uh, I don't I don't think it's surprising, actually, at all. And, and, and what I actually find interesting is that, um, you know, you asked me about Cory Booker, but the same can be can be applied to Chris Christie as well. And, and what's interesting is that both Cory Booker's opponent and Chris Christie's opponent are trying to paint them as politicians who care more about their celebrity status and national appeal than they care about the people of New Jersey. And often that works. Right. But in this instance, unfortunately, for both Steve Lonigan and Barbara Buono, who's uh, the state senator running against Chris Christie, right. the line of the, this line of attack really isn't taking hold among the voters. And, and, and my conclusion here is that I think New Jersey residents essentially enjoy the fact that, that their political leaders have this spot on the national stage and perhaps they believe that their rock star status can somehow be leveraged to help the Garden State, and 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 they find that you know to be positive. It's 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 a line of attack that um, you know Booker's opponent and, and the governor's opponent have both leveled at them, but it's not getting any traction. Very interesting. Uh, the Jewish vote in the Garden State. We know that niche voting, so to speak, or targeted um, electioneering, is usually much more important when it's a close rate close race. Has the Jewish community statewide lost out because there's such a disparity in the numbers? So I don't believe that to be the case in, in, in this particular Senate election. I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I write a, a political column for the Jewish Link of Bergen County, which is a, a, new, a relatively new bi-weekly newspaper that services um, Bergen County's large and vibrant Orthodox community. And I had the opportunity to, to interview Cory Booker uh, just a couple days before the primary election. And, you know, I know a lot has been written about his uh, affinity to Judaism and, and his connections, right. but I must tell you that I, I, you know, going into that interview, knowing that to be the case, I, I was simply blown away by his breadth of knowledge, his his, his very deep uh, love and respect for for for, for Judaism. Yeah, and, he's usually the smartest rabbi in the room. <laughs> let me tell you, he he, he told he, during the course of our conversation, which obviously you could focus on politics. I learned I learned more Torah in those you know in that brief time. <laughs> he always gives than the I best the entire day. <laughs> he always, it, was, it was incredible. He always gives the best of our Torah at the meeting, right? <laughs> no question. But 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 seriously, he he is. I think that New Jersey's uh, 
Jewish voters. And again, I know, you know, sometimes there may be tendencies in certain circles to vote uh, a little more for more of a conservative candidate. But in this particular instance, I do believe that uh, Cory Booker, if he is elected, could very well become one of the staunchest allies and best friends that the Jewish community has ever had, and the state of Israel, that is, that they've ever had in the Senate. I mean, I think he's that committed and, 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 and that dedicated to, you know, ensuring Jewish continuity and um, ensuring the safety and security of the state of Israel. So I think, yeah. you know, while, while the race may seem that, you know, it's, it's a lock for Cory Booker, I do think that the Jewish community is going to turn out for him because he's shown that he can be a very, very good friend to them. I think you're right. Uh, what about the governor? Does he enjoy the same type of reaction from the Jewish community? Does he have tremendous alliances in key Jewish pockets around the state? I do believe that he does. And in fact, last Sunday, I, uh, I had the privilege of attending uh, the OU's, uh, the OU Advocacy, Advocacy Center's uh, second annual legislative breakfast in Teaneck. And um, as you know, the OU is you know, established, um, you know, in a number of state, key states around the country, establish these advocacy offices that, that essentially advocate for, you know, interests that are important to the Orthodox Jewish community, primarily education and yeshiva tuition, et cetera. Over 600 people, wow. 600 people, uh, you know, uh, appeared, you know, um, gathered at this breakfast, and the keynote speaker was Governor Christie. And I will tell you that when he walked into the room, there was just thunderous applause, a standing ovation, and he gave a very impassioned speech about school choice. I mean, obviously, that's what everybody there wanted to hear, but it was a very heartfelt commitment to ensuring that everybody's entitled to a quality education. And, and he talked about issues that we as a community, we as the Orthodox community, really, you know, grapple with at times in terms of, you know, uh, affordability for non-public schools and yeshivas. And he really dove right into it. So I think... Um, he has developed pockets of support. I mean, there was, there was uh, just before Rosh Hashanah, he actually made a stop in Teaneck, and um, three of the members of the Teaneck Town Council, each of whom were Democrats and each of whom is Orthodox, appeared with him, stood next to him, and endorsed him, who was a, a Republican. Right. And, and they did that because of his views on Israel, um, because of his views on, on education and school choice. He took a and, trip to Israel, you may recall. Yes, he did, and, and it, was a very, it was a highly publicized trip, and right. he was accompanied by people that, you know, community leaders that the Jewish community in, in New Jersey really hold in high regard. Yeah, and it meant true. a lot. That's true. So I think he enjoys vast and broad support among the Jewish community as well. All right. So it looks like, again, November 5th, it does look like the governor is going to remain as governor. And uh, on the um, on the 16th of October, it does look like Cory Booker is going to win that United States Senate seat. What happens with the future of Newark? Or nobody's really focused on that at the moment? It start, I think that's starting to, to develop as we speak. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, like you, you, you uh, referred to it before, but a lot of, of, of the rhetoric on the campaign, you know, you have Cory Booker kind of touting his accomplishments in the city of Newark, which is, you know, New Jersey's largest city and obviously has issues that they've faced over the years. And on the flip side, Barbara Bono is, uh, I mean, Steve, I'm sorry, Steve Lonigan is, is, is trying to, you know, dispel those, those, those theories and saying, no, you didn't do anything. So you have this back and forth. I mean, there's no question that the city has challenges, obviously, um, you know, there was just uh, um, an event today where Cory Booker um, announced, you know, another huge business coming into Newark. Um, I was at an event last week where he proudly declared that, um, you know, Newark is the matzo capital of the world. And why is that? Because Manischewitz is there. That's correct. And he said, if you want matzo, he's telling this to the crowd. He says, he goes, he goes, if you want matzo, because I have more matzo than I know what to do with. He goes, Dayenu. He goes, Dayenu. It's enough. I was once so, with him actually inside the factory when they were baking boxes. I'll tell you, he, he loves the, he loves the kosher and Jewish routine. You got to admit that very much. Um, one interesting factor, by the way, which many of your listeners may not realize, 
is actually just this afternoon the news broke that uh, his father just passed away. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yes, uh, so he was 76 years old. Uh, he was a fixture in, in, in Newark, and uh, he'd had a stroke at some point along the way, and unfortunately he passed today. And, wow. you know, again, I guess the question comes up, how is that going to affect, I think, um, I think he may have been out in Las Vegas. So obviously that's going to affect the next couple of days in right. terms of Cory Booker's availability to campaign. And obviously he has, to, you know, everybody's going to give him the time, um, you know, to obviously deal with his with his loss. But right. that's it's something to just watch how that plays out over the, over the next couple of days in the context of the home stretch of the campaign. And Lonigan has to be careful with that as well. You know how it is. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very, very, Absolutely. it's a big political hot potato. I shouldn't say political, a social hot potato. Uh, Aaron Trudler is with us. A couple of minutes to go with you, Aaron. And I, I know that uh, there was uh, big goings-on in terms of polls that were coming out today. Uh, you'll tell me if any of this surprises you as we move into the uh, uh, New York area. It seems that um, de Blasio is out polling Loda 67 to 23% in the newest poll. I mean, that's... Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't even know if numbers like that you could say is expected, even when you know that somebody has such a large lead. Yeah, correct. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, a candidate in this case, Bill de Blasio, certainly doesn't want to uh, give the appearance that he's just coasting. Um, obviously, in his mind, in his campaign's mind, I, I you know, they believe victory is uh, is within their reach. Uh, but that being said, I mean, you know, look, polls have been wrong before. Right. Um, you know, we had that situation where Bill Thompson ran against Mike Bloomberg and right. was a lot closer than people anticipated. However, I don't know how you overcome, you know, a deficit as large as that. I do know Joe Loda is, is certainly a credible candidate, and he's, uh, as far as the Jewish community, I know uh, you referenced before, Michael Fragan is, is, is working with him on some of the Jewish issues, and right. Michael knows the Jewish community as well as anybody. Um, and, and, you know, I think Loda's message does resonate among, you know, many in the Orthodox Jewish community. However, at the end of the day, I, I, I you know, I do believe that people are going to look at these poll numbers, and they're going to question whether, you know, they should support a person who really, in their mind, has no chance of winning. So I think Bill de Blasio uh, really is in the driver's seat here. Very complicated. Well, not that complicated, but for those who are undecided or don't know where to go or would prefer Loda as a candidate, it is somewhat of a difficult situation. Unquestionably. Uh, Aaron Trudler is with us. What do you think of the Jewish numbers in that race? Uh, did, I, mean, I don't know if it's, if it's equal to the numbers I just quoted in terms of citywide, but he's holding a very large advantage in the Jewish vote as well. Yeah, clearly. I mean, obviously, we saw after the um, the very hard-fought Democratic primary, um, once that was over and done with, and you know, there were certain there were certain pockets of the community that supported Christine Quinn right. or Bill Thompson or you know whatnot. A lot of those folks are now coalescing around Bill De Blasio. I saw the other day, you know, both uh, you know the the, the the virtually the entire sophomore community, for example, is is you know expressed their support for Bill De Blasio, and you know that that's I think something that people in the Jewish community look at. I mean, they. They want to have someone in City Hall that they can work with, someone that will understand their issues, be sympathetic to their unique needs. And in this kind of a situation, with, with the poll numbers playing out the way they, the way, the way they are, you know, they look, at, they look at Bill de Blasio and say, well, look, it seems like he inevitably is going to get there. Right. Um, perhaps we really need to work with him at this point and start establishing that relationship and developing that rapport with the hopes that over the next four years, if he in fact does you know, win on Election Day, they'll have, they'll have a friend in City Hall. Strategies all around, huh? Correct. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. I, uh, I'm sure this time of year is fascinating to you, so enjoy all these election days. I always do, Malcolm. Thank you so much for having me. Aaron Trudler with us here on Spin Class. I am in for Michael Fragan and here until 7 p.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org, nachumsegel.com. We are tweeting. Those of you out there, if you uh, are on Twitter, you will see us uh, both under at Tall Jewish Radio and at Nachum Siegel Net Haskell Bennett. Um, a pledge to give us a few minutes uh, this evening 
a community activist, political leader, and somebody who's very familiar with the world of government and certainly with what's happening in New York City and beyond as we get closer and closer to Election Day. He's actually left a meeting. I'm not kidding. This is the respect that people have for Michael Fragan's spin class. Uh, Haskell has actually left a meeting uh, this evening for a few minutes in a good meeting with mayoral candidate Joe Loda to speak with us here on Spin Class. Haskell Bennett, welcome back to the Nahum Siegel Network. A pleasure to speak with you, Nahum. How are you? All right, everything's wonderful. We'll get to the polls in a second because everyone's talking about the latest numbers that have come out. Uh, tell us about the nature of this encounter with Joe Loda. Very interesting. I had met him a few times before, obviously, uh, with Michael Fragan. Uh, Michael has him all over the city, and so if you're going to, and I mentioned to this Michael a few weeks ago when I was on the spin class, if you, if you uh, are actually out there in the community at the Kojo breakfasts and at the different events uh, that uh, politicians and the candidates for political office attend, then, uh, you know, Michael Fragan has his candidate all over the place. So I had met him a few times. I really never engaged him in conversation, but I had a chance to discuss. Uh, we had a chance to discuss some things that's actually going on right now. I mean, we know that housing and, of course, uh, religious issues, community concerns, safety, crime, these are all things that are up there on the agenda when anybody meets with a potential uh, mayor of the city of New York. Anything else that comes up in a meeting this week with Joe Loda of note? You know, um, when our community meets with elected officials, we get past the stump speeches because every candidate for any elected office always has a stump speech. And they talk about in broad terms, uh, with a paintbrush, how they're going to make things better. And then, you know, uh, money will shine and the sun will shine and the world will be terrific. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but unfortunately, uh, and I say this with great regret, uh, it doesn't always end up that way. And we all know that. And, um, we need to, to engage our elected officials and candidates for elected officials on the core issues of importance to our community. Uh, and, I, and I just actually asked a question a moment ago from, from uh, Mr. Loda, which, uh, which is a very important question, and that's uh, the, the social safety net of our community, uh, which is something that uh, I work with every day and things that I do every day. And I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're talking specifically about about the important uh, organizations in our community that are doing the social service work. Uh, and Mr. Loda said something interesting. He says if the city of New York was left to fend for all the citizens uh, by themselves, uh, you know, I, he doesn't believe that it, w- it, would, it would be sustainable. It would That's collapse. Right. It is the faith-based, or- faith-based organizations in particular who helped get the city through Hurricane Sandy, which I was, you know, involved in. And on a daily basis, we're talking about the Maspias, and we're talking about the, the Kojos, and we're talking about the Copes, and the, the, the PCS job training, and the Hatsala, and, and, you know, Maspia, and Our Place, all of the organizations that are doing the daily work of keeping our, our community going, and, and really for the, those who are falling through the cracks. And somehow, some way, when budgets go down, and the city doesn't have the kind of money that it needs to have, and its priorities are sometimes warped, they're more busy, they're busier, unfortunately. Unfortunately, maybe putting in uh, islands, or, or, or and, and I'm not here to knock bike lanes because that's you know I just took up biking and I like biking and I like the bike lanes now and I never did before. Interesting. But uh, to be honest, to be very honest, um, uh, I, I, I was very, very, very disappointed with a lot of the candidates who say one thing when they're running for office and then you know they don't right. follow through. 
And so, but Mr. Loda happened to have been very articulate in terms of his getting and understanding and actually the respect that he at least demonstrated uh, for the faith-based organizations. And he made very, very strong mention of how good of Israel's work, and he, he's familiar with it. He was in the Giuliani administration, and he, and not, not just the Aguda, but in general, the concept that social service network organizations need to be strengthened and not weakened, and certainly in a weak-down economy, they need to be strengthened. It's a, it's a society, a society uh, importance. It's very important for society to understand that. No question about it. Haskell Bennett is with us. He uh, was the subject of a, a news item this week, which we're going to get to in a minute. I just want to ask you, just in case you run out of time as we discuss all the different things, um, the latest is that de Blasio leads Loda among Jewish voters 61 to 26. Your reaction? Not surprised. Not surprised at all. Uh, the Jewish community uh, has has seemed to uh, become very supportive of Bill de Blasio. He is saying all the right things. Uh, he's been out there. Uh, he's been out there for quite a long time. The community knows him. At least a very large part of the community knows him. I'm talking about Borough Park and certainly parts of Flatbush. No Bill de Blasio. He's no stranger to the Jewish community. He's gotten very positive press for the most part in the Jewish community. Obviously, he did very well in the primary, and he was running in a very, very, very tough primary, a Democratic primary, and he was in the community a lot. Right. And, and, and when a, a candidate for office is in the community a lot, speaking to the organizations and speaking to the community, walking 13th Avenue, Avenue J, Avenue M, and I've done it with candidates, people respond. And, you know, the fact that uh, people also like a winner. They like somebody who's leading in the polls. They somehow identify, hey, this guy's going to win. I want to be with him. I want to support him. I want to support the winner. And so uh, until Mr. Loda, if he can and if he does, and I don't know if he will have the time times against him now, I think, and if Mr. Loda you know, is going to make his move and move up in the polls, which it doesn't seem like at this point today he did, uh, in the most latest Marist poll, which I just saw literally a minute or two ago, I just got it uh, tweeted to me or texted to me, um, I, I, you know, he has his work cut out for him. And, I, and I, just an important note, the polls are right. When I say the polls are right, I'm using the last election, the primary election, as an example. They had it. They were spot on. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to see it. Nobody yeah. wanted to believe it. But they Bloom were right. But Bloomberg-Thompson poll was wrong. Correct. Right. And that is that was the hope and the aspiration of the Thompson campaign right. uh, during the primary. And I heard it directly from the campaign themselves. And 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 to a great degree, they were they were correct. They are correct. So you know, but but at the same time, let's call it the way it is. The last election had the candidate Bill De Blasio up by a sizable lead, right. and on election primary day, he kept that lead and and. He even surpassed it, so uh, you know. Right, and the only question was, would he get forty percent? And the day before, that was also the only question: would that he get forty percent? Right? And the poll was right. So right. sometimes, uh, you know, us political watchers and people who are in the, in, in the hunt and like to understand the the science of politics and understand the issues that move voters and the issues of importance to voters. When you're looking at polls, uh, you know, I'd faster say go with the polls at this point. You right. know, knowing what I know now and watching what we saw. Then, then saying, do I think that Bill de Blasio will win by 41 points? I don't think so. Right. But, I, but at this point, Joe Loda has his work cut out for him. All right, uh, Haskell Bennett is with us. So you took objection to the way the New York Post uh, reacted to Bill de Blasio's uh, condolence message, which was sent out in the uh, aftermath of the passing of Rav Vadi Yosef. And we should mention, of course, that uh, all of us, somehow, even Jewish kids in America who didn't spend much time in it, everyone's had some type of encounter with Rav Vadi Yosef, and that's, that was obviously evident from the number of people that came to the funeral and how many people around the world Jewish community were affected in some way, small or, or large, uh, to his passing. So we understand that. He had tremendous impact. 
and all of I, I remember meeting him in high school. So I mean, all of us had you know had, had some type of um, encounter, even if it was either long distance or through different generations. But the uh, De Blasio goes ahead, rightfully so, uh, uh, issues a condolence message. Right, nothing against that, correct? And then the New York Post reacts with uh, disparaging words about her Avad Yosef, and you claim that this was all political, and the Post, which which you know, any observer would say usually takes uh, extreme liberties when it comes to the way they report things, went even beyond that for the New York Post. You felt even the Post outdid the New York Post on this. Uh, on this, I, 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 well, let me flip it around. You're the interviewer, and, but let me flip it around. Weren't you offended by it? I'll tell you something. I was split on it, and I don't want you to get too upset here because I, I, I had this, I have the same respect everyone else has had for Avadio Safe, but one thing I could say about Avadio is that was he he stood by whatever he said he he did not back down when he when he had a sock that was questionable to certain people or when he had a political statement questionable to certain people he did not back down i don't know how he would have reacted if he would have been you know challenged by people like the new york post about statements that he made uh you or others or myself or anybody taking offense on his behalf i understand that but i think again this was more of the timing on your issue, right? You could you could debate something with with a great Torah giant who who says something and you want to ask them a question about it. Not the not the day after they passed away to go ahead and and take a condolence message and turn it into that. I think that the New York Post piece was simply offensive. I think anybody with a clear head and understands anything about uh, human decency, whether it's a a a Godel Yisrael, a giant, a Torah sage, or even and and you know uh, maybe. A regular person who passes away. There's a time for debate, if you if you want to say if you want to have a debate. Hundred percent. Four hours or five hours or ten hours after uh, a a, a sage of this level of this magnitude of this caliber passes away, and you had to know what kind of person you're dealing with because approximately close to a million people showed up to this man's funeral in Israel as reported worldwide. Everybody understood that we're not dealing with a regular person and it wouldn't even accept it on a regular person. But certainly the next morning or the, the, the few hours after the passing. And even worse in response to a condolence message. Even worse than that. What did, what, I mean, I, I, who am I to, to defend anything that Rabbi Vajay Yosef said or didn't say? That absolutely won't enter that debate. It, it, would be, it would be nuts to do so. Uh, regular people, you know, other people may have that pay grade. I don't rise to that pay grade. Ravad Yosef was a giant, a Torah sage, a person who led hundreds of thousands of people, millions of, of people admired him uh, beyond the pale, period, end of story. Correct. But let's talk about the New York Post. What was the point? What was the why? Right, why'd they do it? Good why, I, good why, I, why? Right, why'd, why'd they, they do, do it? it? Right. And the answer is? See, I, who am I to say? I didn't, the editor never called me. I have no idea why they did it. But that you could conjecture but I can, why. But I can conjecture that they took offense or they were looking for an opportunity possibly, you know, to, to give a little kick to, uh, to Mr. de Blasio. And they decided that this was an opportune time to, on the back of the death of a great Torah Jewish sage, uh, who was followed by millions, uh, who was respected by millions, uh, who had a very sizable following in New York City. Uh, they decided that this may have been a time, possibly, I'm conjecturing, you know, to give a little, uh, little kick to de Blasio and Rabbi, on Rabbi Vad Yosef's, uh, you know, Cheshman on his, on his, on, uh, on, on this episode. And I thought that, and personally, I mean, again, I, I don't believe that I'm breaking new ground here with you, Nakam. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I, I think that it's simply, not right. Period. End of story. Uh, de Blasio did what all politicians do. He issued a, a, uh, a sympathetic condolence short 
the words. It wasn't uh, he, he wasn't getting into the intricacies of Ravadi Yosef's life right. like anybody else. Go through history when great people pass away. Open up the Hamodia. Open up the Jewish Press. Open up the Yated. Open up Five Towns Jewish Times. People issue their condolence. I mean, whole sections of newspapers uh, have condolence letters for people. You issue a condolence letter if you knew the family, if you knew the person, you, you give a message and have a nice day. To use this at this time, I thought was wrong. I think it's wrong. I don't think I'm wrong for saying that. And I think the New York Post should think it's wrong. And if they don't, then, then unfortunately that says a lot about the New York Post. Now, we are on the same page. The timing was absolutely insane. And even, again, a reaction to a condolence message like that is a, it was just a disgrace. That is 100% true. And uh, You know, mayoral politics it has a place. You have day after day after day, month after month, and week, you know, of, of, of opportunity to, to make editorials, op-eds. You like the guy, you don't like the guy, fine. Why here? Why now? I believe, and I think it's unfortunate, and I believe, I would like to believe that if somebody would have pointed it out to an editor and said, you know, this was wrong, maybe issue an apology, which they won't, but maybe say, or maybe be more sensitive next time. How's that? Maybe just be more sensitive that when an entire community, hundreds of thousands of people in New York City, take offense to something that's clearly inappropriate, not right, what do you have to do that for? You'll sell your papers whether you, whether you do that or you won't. And, you know, that's just how it goes. Costco Bennett, I know you have to run, but I gotta, I, I gotta wrap up with one other thing. Uh, is it disappointing to you, such an active person and somebody who, who, who likes, rightfully so, to help the community make the right decision in these elections? Is it somewhat disappointing that, that the races that are going on right now are not close at all and that it seems that, uh, they're essentially they're, these races are over today? What, are we talking about the mayoral race? Yeah, mayoral, and there are others as well. I mean, there are other races that are going on that that seem to have landslide potential. Um, to be honest with you, Nachum, I'm focused on the the day the day after day work, and there is a life after election day. I could honestly tell you, whoever wins these elections, I will work with happily, happily to work with them on behalf of the community, on behalf, uh, you know, it's funny, I'll give you a cute line that I always use. I don't care who's in power, the streets still have to be clean, the streets still have to be safe, and we still have to function as a society. So it's irrelevant to me per se, it's not irrelevant, it's important who gets into that seat, but I will tell you, whoever gets into those seats of power, uh, what I do appreciate is the fact that they are reaching out to our community. Our, when we vote, and we've discussed this privately, when we vote, we matter. It's important to realize the potential opportunities where the highest seat of government in New York City are chasing our community. They want our vote. They're looking for our support. That's, that is a great responsibility on the community to actually show up on Election Day and, and show that they recognize that their vote counts. And when we do vote, and we have not voted, and let me be clear and be on record, we have not voted to our potential. I don't care what anybody says. The numbers right. say something different. Right. When we do vote, the politicians pay attention. And uh, we, we have a very, very good opportunity now where the mayoral candidates are actively seeking our support in a very strong way and speaking to our issues much more than the specifics. They're talking directly to our community, not just abstractly, but about religious values, about yeshivas, about social services for our community. 
this is important. It's a wonderful opportunity for the people to engage in the political uh, activity. Great analysis. I love your passion. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Chasko Bennett. Nachum Siegel, keep up your great work. I appreciate the opportunity. I thank you. Chasko Bennett, who has been uh, active uh, politically and in the arena of government uh, for quite a while and is working hard, as he said, not just up to Election Day, but beyond that as well. And I thank him for joining us here. Spin class. My name is Nachum Siegel sitting in for Michael Fragan live Thursday night at 25 minutes before the hour. As we continue, Charlie Bernhardt will be on at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight with a, an hour of uh, great Jewish soul music, as we like to say. And um, earlier today, and we're going to have Michael Fragan on. He'll join us from the Loda campaign. It's his show, after all, Spin Class. And we've been tweeting, by the way, uh, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, it's at Nahum Siegel Net, at Nahum Siegel Net. Uh, here are comments uh, from President Obama. Uh, from just a few hours ago regarding the government shutdown. Now it's nine days into the shutdown. Here were comments made earlier. This is spin class at the Nahum Siegel Network. Is there a glimmer of hope in Washington? The government shutdown is still in effect, and the U.S. debt ceiling limit is just days away, according to the Treasury. But lawmakers are still quibbling. What we're watching is uh, four, five, six years of frustration, of uh, very hard lines by two different camps coming together, kind of like a, a, a final showdown or whatever, uh, to get their point across. The Obama administration has announced plans to meet with Democrats and Republicans in the coming days as the urgency grows for both sides to find a resolution around the deadlock over the federal debt limit and the partial government shutdown. You've got a president that uh, uh, is sticking firm to his guns has taken a non-negotiation stance almost since the beginning of his administration. This week, President Obama faces increasing pressure to negotiate with warring factions in Congress as the calls for a resolution become more urgent. But both sides appear to be unwavering in their positions for their constituents. Despite the tough talk, there are signs that a truce could happen brokered here at the White House. Both sides may agree to a temporary extension on the country's $16.7 trillion borrowing authority. President Obama plans to meet with House Democrats first as both parties look for ways to move forward. So far, the core issue persists. Republicans are pushing for talks on reducing the deficit and the Affordable Care Act, also called Obamacare, to increase the U.S.'s borrowing authority and get the majority of furloughed government workers back to work and reinstate benefits to those who have had family members die in battle. Enough is enough. It isn't just a matter of these families losing that loving son, that husband, that brother, it's a matter that our government that asked them to risk their lives for this great nation will not stand by them. The president says that he will negotiate with Republicans as long as they don't use the issue of the debt ceiling as a bargaining chip. However, leading Republicans say they won't negotiate when all that's being offered is an unconditional surrender. Colin Campbell, Press TV, Washington. There you have it. And that was Dick Durbin, by the way, who was making that statement on the floor of the House <coughs> and uh, for of... Uh, yeah, and floor of the house, right? And and uh, that was, I believe, that situation was resolved. Spin class here. Michael Fragan usually with us, or I should say, usually hosting. My name is Malcolm Siegel, and Michael is scheduled to be with us in the next couple of minutes. Reminder: as we learned earlier, October sixteenth, just six days from now, it's the special election in the state of New Jersey for the New Jersey U.S. Senate seat, uh, vacated on the passing of. Uh, 
Frank Lautenberg. The Lonigan-Booker race looks like it's over, if you pay attention to the polls. But if there's one thing we've keep, we keep learning during this lifetime, it's that um, polls are not always right. Often and usually they are, but they're not always right. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to check out uh, what happens on Wednesday in New Jersey. And then, of course, on the 5th of November, that's when the uh, polls in New Jersey will be open for the governor's race, another race that looks like it is essentially over at this point. But, uh, again, who knows? We will uh, pay careful attention and see. Will somebody unseat the present governor of New Jersey? Who knows? Uh, earlier, just uh, literally minutes ago, um, a report started coming out of the latest polls that have been conducted in New York City. Uh, so right now, uh, the following numbers are uh, being bandied about. Um, let's see, we've got, um, we've got, uh, uh, numbers in terms of the, uh, uh, likely voters among likely voters who are with Bill de Blasio, 56% strongly support him compared with 49% of Loda backers who are firmly with him. All right. That's one number. The uh, uh, another poll number shows that 40% of registered voters think Loda is not independent from the national GOP. That may not be good. Let's see what else we have here when it comes to numbers. Earlier we mentioned the um, the numbers that uh, uh, were released regarding the Jewish community and the poll numbers that um, Bill De Blasio and Joe Loda are either enjoying or not enjoying when it comes to the Jewish community. In general in New York, the latest poll has de Blasio at 67% and Loda at 23%. That is a staggering figure this close to the election. I mean, politically speaking, in political time, we're far away from the primaries already. And it seems the Loda campaign is having a lot of trouble gaining traction. So that's a problem. Um, and then we had the Jewish number earlier that we mentioned. It was in the 60s for um, Bill de Blasio and in the 20s for um, Joe Loda. Those are numbers that I cannot find this moment, uh, but it's indicative of what is going on. And the the practice seems to be, and we've heard this from a couple of people already tonight, the practice seems to be that as more and more, as it more and more becomes obvious, that Bill de Blasio is going to win, or at least it seems that this is uh, this is where we're heading to Mayor Bill de Blasio. Uh, more and more people hop on the bandwagon, and I don't know if they could be blamed. They want to they want to, of course, go ahead and uh, and make sure to uh, convince everybody that they are responsible for the victory. So this is not it's not a time they're going to go away from the front runner, especially a front runner by this amount of uh, by this number of points. It's a time. But they're going to try to get closer and closer to the front runner. Uh, Michael Fragan's going to join us. He's with Joe Loder right now. He's going to join us in the next couple of minutes here at the Spin Class. I remind you that Spin Class is on every single Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmnam.org, NahumSiegel.com, part of the NahumSiegel Network. It's also archived on our app. It's archived on the website, NahumSiegel.com, and you can check it out. It has proven to be, and i got to give um, Michael Fragan proper credit, it has proven to be an influential show on the political scene, both locally and nationally, people are paying attention, especially uh, when uh, something uh, of great interest is discussed. People are paying careful attention to see what folks 
who are analyzing the political uh, situation have to say in regard to uh, in regard to the world of politics. And everybody out there who um, enjoys politics, even after Election Day, you want to make sure to be uh, tuned into Spin Class every single Thursday night. And if you miss it, obviously, you check out the archives. But that is a um, a great recommendation because, as I like to say, politics is becoming one of the best spectator sports out there. And uh, everybody has a uh, a unique perspective. And we get an opportunity to hear many of those unique perspectives each and every week. Earlier in the show, by the way, Aaron Trudler was with us and emphasized not only the Senate special Senate race that's going on next week, which we discovered, which we happened to discover in conversation with him, uh, but that the, that the election is happening next week, uh, but also November 5th, the governor's election. But on top of that, he mentioned many, many different local elections, freeholder, uh, town council elections, etc., which are going to prove to be very important in New Jersey, especially in our community where so many people are um, trying to make inroads uh, in different communities um, uh, so that our community uh, can be helped by elected officials. So uh, the importance of getting out there to vote November 5th cannot be overstated. It is something that is uh, vital to everybody. And uh, is um, it garners a tremendous amount of attention. People nationwide like to see what happens in regard to the Jewish vote. Um, Obamacare, government shutdown situation. It's now the 10th of October. So nine-plus days have passed by. does not seem to be uh, a resolution in sight, although there is uh, supposedly a movement to actually uh, try to get to some type of compromising table and negotiate this thing out. Who knows what will happen. More coming up on Spin Class right here. Michael Fragan is scheduled to join us at the Nahum Siegel Network, and it should be within a minute or so. Uh, the the issue is, and he was supposed to be here uh, with us live via telephone a drop earlier, the issue is that he is with Joe Loda, and they are meeting with Jewish officials right now. And Loda has been touring the city, all five boroughs, and heading to different landmarks and important neighborhoods and communities trying to get his message out. And one of them, of course, is our community. And as you heard earlier, he is meeting, uh, he's at a meeting now uh, with the Agudas Israel of America, trying to bring his position clearer uh, to the Jewish uh, community of New York and, um, and try to gain some momentum in this race with three weeks to go. This has not been an easy uh, battle. This has not been an easy uh, road for Joe Loda. And... Um, we have no idea if there's going to be over the next few weeks an event or a um, a political mishap or some type of uh, hiccup in in someone's campaign that could affect the large disparity in the numbers that are out there right now. Uh, he has he is enjoying Bill De Blasio is enjoying a massive lead in this race, and uh, it is hard to determine, hard to predict at this point if anything can have a major effect to the degree that it could turn the race around. I don't remember a race like this, especially an important one like this, with this type of disparity in the numbers at this stage just uh, three weeks before the election. All right, we'll head to a musical interlude, and then we will uh, come back and wrap up Spin Class with Michael Fragan. We're giving him a chance to uh, be on his own program. And um, and he'll hopefully join us in the next few minutes. He is... Uh, Slightly late again because he's spending the evening with Joe Loda and uh, helping him get the message out to the New York Jewish community regarding his campaign. I ask you to keep it here at Spin Class. I am sure a fascinating conversation with Michael Fragan 
who's on the front lines of the Loda campaign, will be coming up, and hopefully very, very soon, if you keep it here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
Figured a show about politics, what better song to intersperse into our program than the song Change? That's Ari Goldwag. Spin class is on eight minutes before the hour. We get an opportunity to speak to Michael Fragan, who's been quite busy, as we mentioned, with the Loda campaign. Michael Fragan is with us live via telephone on his very own uh, radio show. Could you imagine? Uh, Michael Fragan, welcome to Spin class. Oh, it's good to be back in the uh, guest chair. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, I have YU students who are tuned in. They want to know how the Loda Yeshiva University visit went. It was fantastic. I have to tell you, I think uh, President Joel and uh, Joe Loda could have probably spent all day together, maybe uh, many more, uh, just just smoothing away. It was very impressive. Uh, two of them are, are definitely world-class smoothers. Emailer wants to know if the Koch brothers' support hurts the campaign because of their Tea Party affiliation. Well, it's not the uh, Koch brothers. It's actually one of the Koch brothers. David Koch is a major contributor to many things in New York, including Lincoln Center and all kinds of different. Uh, he's a major philanthropist and a great, uh, great New Yorker. Give us, and I think I think Joe is proud to have his, his support. Give us, as with anybody. Give us your review of tonight's meeting with the Aguda. Well, I, I actually can't go into that specifically because that meeting officially was off the record. Gotcha. But let's, just, but let's just say that there was a lot of clapping. Let's just say, let's just ask, was it a friendly encounter? It was absolutely friendly. Uh, most meetings are friendly. I, I don't think that uh, I'm sure if Bill de Blasio would have come, they would have been friendly towards him as well. I think, you know, that's the great thing about New Yorkers is that everybody, uh, you know, we talk different of opinion, but we all live together in the same city. Are you ashamed that Nahum Siegel didn't realize that the Booker election is three weeks before Election Day? Uh, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> you don't want to criticize me openly, huh? I, I I thought it was I thought it was November 5th. I didn't realize it's six days away at a special that's election. Why they, that's why they call it special. <laughs> all right, all right. At least I'm willing to admit it, unlike everybody else in this country who would deny ever thinking that. All right. Uh, now you know the numbers, and we reviewed them a million times in this uh, in this last hour, as you can imagine. Uh, the latest poll numbers. Uh, what does this mean for Joe Loda? Uh, where does he have to go? What does he have to do? What's the plan? I mean, I know that this is very difficult, and even in the Jewish community, where, again, uh, he is, I mean, I, I agree with you, he's well-received wherever he goes. The numbers uh, don't bear out any type of impact so far. What do you have to say? I think a lot will, a lot can change. Uh, this, at this point, before the primary, Christine Quinn was still the front runner. At this point, in 2001, Mark Green was leading Mike Bloomberg by a very significant margin. And uh, I don't think a lot of people have tuned in. A lot of people are gonna gonna wait and see when they see the debates. And I think you'll see a closing of the margin. And if you don't, well, look, that's that's politics. How soon do the debates start? Uh, well, there was a debate last night. Unfortunately, uh, the frontrunner Bill De Blasio did not show up, so it was just between Joe Loda and Adolfo Carrion is running on the independence line. Uh, that's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate for the voters. But uh, there will be a series of three debates on consecutive Tuesday nights, starting this Tuesday. All right, and that'll get the whole series started. And do they, do they like, like the presidential debates, do they split the debates into different topics and areas, or basically everything is fair game in all three? Uh, I think it's the latter. I think they're each hosted by a different uh, news station. 
are there any comparisons to our community out there? Uh, we know that, uh, the short answer to that, of course, is no, but what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at, are there any similarities in other communities in terms of, uh, uh, people, you know, how they react to the mayoral candidates and, and the influence they are trying to have in choosing who to vote for and all these meetings that are going on? In other words, is this all being replicated in a hundred other places in New York City? Oh, absolutely. There are, there's an incredible interest in politics in every community that you go. Maybe not across the board, but there are, uh, anywhere you go around the city, there are many, many people who are interested, who want to know about what's going on in politics, who are going, who want to meet the candidates and care about the future of the city. And there are, there are civic groups all around the city. And all the ethnic groups have, have, uh, and there are so many different ethnic groups in New York City. That's what makes it such a wonderful city. No uh, but there's so many out there. But, uh, yes, there is a high interest in politics. But a, a, a vast majority of the electorate is not tuning in yet. And you're convinced of that? Just because just because those who find this fascinating, like myself, are completely into it, you are convinced that the, that the majority have not really made their move yet? Right. People like us kind of assume that everybody else is you know, spending all day on Twitter, reading different political comments, and we're reading the blogs, and we're reading all kinds of, you know, every day we open the newspaper first to the New York metro section or to the New York section to see what's going on. But uh, that's not the vast majority of voters. That's not the vast majority of people. And uh, there's no question, look at, the, look at the interest in the Democratic primary. After right. a year of running, only 23% of registered Democrats voted. That's a very small slice of the city. What's considered a good turnout on an election day like this mayor, mayor citywide election for mayor in New York? What would be considered a good turnout? What percentage? Uh, I think if you saw, uh, if you saw 30, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 percent of voters coming out, but I, I don't know. I have to, I'd have to go back and look at the, uh, at the, uh, at the specific returns for the last couple of years. I actually don't recall what 2009 was. I know 2009 was very, was much lower than 2005, and 2005 was much lower than 2001. But it's, you know, 2000, hi- it's highly unlikely we're getting to 50 percent, right? Well, 50 percent is really only a presidential year. Right, and that's, that's it. the only time. And uh, that's unfortunate because when we think about it, we think about the, the high point is 50 percent. In some countries, uh, 80 percent of the people vote or more. Unbelievable. Can we? Okay. Think, yeah. In Israel, it's much higher. Let's say the least. It's gotten lower in Israel, but it, but it's still way up there. That is correct. Um, can we uh, get some debate analysis next week from you? Uh, we can certainly get debate analysis, but it's going to be more like spin than analysis. I like the spin, though. That's why it's spin class. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, you know you can get somebody from the other side, and we can go at it ourselves. That's a great idea, Michael. Thank you for letting me sit in this chair, and good luck tonight wherever you're heading with Joe Loda. Thank you, Malcolm. Thanks for keeping it warm for me. I appreciate it. A pleasure. Michael Fragan on his own show. He's traveling with Joe Loda, and, uh, boy, it's interesting to speak to someone who's on the front lines of a campaign like this, that's for sure. All right. Thank you, folks. Thank you so much. Thanks to all of our guests. Uh, Spin class every Thursday night. It'll be in the archives, of course, on our app, the Nahum Siegel Network app. And uh, tune in next week. We'll have debate analysis, more guests who have a lot to say about what's happening in New York City especially, and obviously We'll touch on the aftermath of the uh, Booker election, uh, which looks likely in New Jersey. And that will be happening next week on uh, Spin Class right here at the uh, Nahum Siegel Network. I thank you very much for joining me, and I thank you for listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Charlie Bernhout, with an hour of great Jewish soul music, is going to be coming up 
if you keep it right here at NahumSiegel.com and jmandtheam.org.